Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 19. It's page 768 in the Pew Bible. 768 in the Pew Bible, John 19. And we'll be looking at verses 28 to 30. Verses 28 to 30. As Debbie was filling out the bulletin this week, she said, aren't those the same verses we had last Sunday? Yes, they are. (laughs) It's the same sermon. No. (laughs) John 19, verses 28 to 30. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was brought there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for these words that our Lord spoke in the last moments of his heavenly, of his life here on earth. Words that are so significant, and I pray that today we will grasp this powerful word that our Lord spoke from the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. People like to ask, how can I get to heaven? How can I have eternal life? And you get a lot of answers, and one of the more popular or well-known answers is you live a good life. You live by the golden rule that Jesus laid out, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or, you know, keep the Ten Commandments. Uh, just be a good person. Well, what about Jesus? What, what, what about his life and death on the cross? Well, Jesus, they will say, some will say, Jesus, he made the down payment, but we have to keep up the installments with living a good life. Well, that can create a lot of anxiety. I mean, for example, what if I commit a very bad sin? Does that mean I'm still saved? Or what if I fail to confess some of my sins? Are my sins still forgiven? Or what if I fail to follow Jesus in a manner that he would expect me to follow him? You know, if you have come here this morning and you struggle with the assurance of salvation, you are having anxiety over whether or not have I done all the things I need to do to be saved. Jesus has a word for you today. Or if you know of someone who's struggling with anxiety about their salvation and wondering, have I I crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's? Have I done everything I'm supposed to do to be saved? Jesus has a word for them and you can share it with them today. You know, we're looking at the seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. And these words, these words that Jesus speaks from the cross, they are, these are words we need to hear and we need to understand because they touch every area of our lives. The first word that Jesus spoke, remember, it was actually a prayer. He was praying for his enemies. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And then the second word that he spoke was, uh, he was, he led a lost soul to salvation. He looks over at the repentant thief and says, I tell you the truth, today you're going to be with me in paradise. 
And then the third word Jesus spoke from the cross. He made certain that his mother would be taken care of. He says to his mother, dear woman, behold your son. Referring to John. And John, behold your mom. Making certain that his mother would be cared for. It is now approaching noon, 12 o'clock. And suddenly a a blanket of darkness covers the earth from 12 o'clock to 3. And during that darkness, Jesus makes his fourth statement. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's because during that darkness, my sins, your sins, the sins of the world are poured out on Jesus Christ. And the fellowship between the Father and the Son is broken. The spotless Lamb of God is stained with all of our sins. And then the fifth word comes out, I thirst. And that is because Jesus is suffering the punishment of our sin. He is suffering the torment of our sin. Now we come to the sixth, the sixth word from our Lord. It's a shout of victory. It is finished. In the original language, it's just one word. Tetelestai. Tetelestai. Finished. And this word is important because it tells us that Jesus finished something that you and I need to know about. It also tells us that Jesus came on a mission. And it was a very specific mission. It was a rescue mission. You know, Jesus... He was always conscious that he was here on a mission. He was always conscious that he, was, he had a job to do. The very first recorded words that Jesus ever spoke, he was 12 years old in the temple courtyard talking with all the religious leaders. Joseph and Mary finally find him there. Remember what he says to them. Don't you know I must be about my father's business. Jesus knew he had a job to do. He had a mission to accomplish. And here we come down to the very end of his earthly life and from the cross the one of the last things he says is it is finished. Mission accomplished. It is finished. It stands finished. It will always be finished. And I pray my prayer is that if you are struggling with understanding, am I really saved? Can I have that assurance that you will leave here today with more assurance than ever? Yes, my salvation is secure. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the fact that when Jesus said, it is finished, number one, he was letting the devil know that the battle is finished, that his power is neutralized. Second, we're going to look at the fact that he's, going to let, he's letting the Father know that salvation is finished. That his justice has been satisfied. And then we're going to look at what he really is addressing to us. That our redemption is finished and our eternity is finalized. So let's take a look. First of all, it is finished. Satan's power is neutralized. You know... When the Roman soldiers were nailing Jesus to the cross, Satan was celebrating what he thought was his greatest victory. Remember, it was Satan that prompted and put into Judas' heart to betray Jesus. 
who then went to the religious leaders, who then went to the Mount of Olives, and they arrest Jesus. They're all doing the devil's work. And now as Jesus is nailed to the cross, Satan is celebrating what he thinks is his finest hour. But he's celebrating a little too soon. Because on Sunday morning, three days later, Jesus is going to rise from the grave. And when Jesus comes walking out of that tomb, that is when Satan realizes, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I am in trouble. Because Satan is a defeated enemy. He is a disarmed enemy. And that's the word that Paul uses here in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. Christ disarmed the powers and authorities. Now the word powers and authorities is a reference to Satan and his demons. Christ disarmed Satan and his demons. He made a a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them by what? The cross. There it is. Jesus got victory over Satan. He overpowered him at the cross. And when Jesus makes this shout from the cross, this is the greatest shout of triumph in human history. Satan is defeated. The enemy has been conquered. You know, this word that Jesus spoke from the cross, in the original language, tetelestai, this word would have been used on a battlefield. You know, two armies are in conflict. They engage each other in battle. And after the battle is over, one army finally wins. And they hear the word, tetelestai, finished. We've won the battle. And they sent messengers throughout the, uh, throughout the countryside announcing, it is finished. We've won the battle. This is the word that Jesus is using here. And when he shouts, finished, he is letting all of us know, Satan's power has been neutralized. Mission accomplished. Satan is disarmed. Satan no longer has authority over us. He no longer has power over us. He no longer has control over us. But I know what you might be thinking. Why am I having so many problems with the devil? I always feel like I'm under attack. My family, I think, is under attack. My marriage is under attack. Why am I always having attacks and temptations from the devil? Well, understand, Satan is engaging us in spiritual warfare. We all understand that. And he does have some limited power. We have to think of Satan as as a snake. In fact, if my, my memory serves me right... I think that's how he's actually introduced to us in the book of Genesis. He is a serpent. And I don't know if you've ever had um, dealings with snakes. I've had a few. We had one in our backyard about a year ago. You can cut their head off, and I did with a shovel. But you know what? They can still bite you, even after you cut the head off. Think of it this way. When Jesus went to the cross... He severed the head of Satan in a sense, but yet he's still got some bite to him. And that's what we are experiencing. But remember this, we are engaged in a spiritual battle with Satan. But we can always win the battle because he's been defeated. We can always win the battle because Christ has given us authority over Satan. And Paul tells us, Put on the armor. 
Put on the breastplate of faith, uh, the, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. Uh, put on the helmet of salvation. He said, put on your armor. And when you engage Satan in battle, you will always win. I love that song that Martin Luther wrote 500 years ago. Um, a mighty fortress is our God. And the third stanza goes like this. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness is grim, but we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word will fell him. You know what that word is? Finished, Satan. It is finished. The battle has been won. It is finished. It stands finished. It will always be finished. Satan, you are defeated. And so first of all, when Jesus says it's finished, Satan's power has been neutralized at the cross. Now let's look at the second aspect of this. Second of all, God's justice is now satisfied. You know, God is a just God. He is righteous. But you and I, we're sinners. That's a problem. That creates a huge gap. God is righteous. We are sinners. That is a, that's a huge problem. Because God, as a just God, says, I must judge sin and I must punish sinners. But here's the good news. Not only is God just, God is also loving. And God wants to bless us. And I love the way John Stott puts it in his book, The Cross. He says this. He says, forgiveness was God's profoundest problem. How can God, how can God forgive us of our sins and still be just and right? You know what happened? Jesus steps forward and he says, Father, I will pay the penalty. I will take the punishment for their sins. I mean, let's think of it this way. Let's suppose someone steals $10,000 from you, from you and it was your child's college fund. I mean, this is a serious problem. And then the worst aspect of it all, this person goes to Windstar and spends it all gambling. Now they've got nothing left, so they cannot repay you. Justice is me or you getting our money back, recouping our loss. But that can't be done now. And then somebody steps forward and says, I will write you out a check for $10,000 and pay it back. That's what Jesus did. He steps forward. He says, Father, I will pay the debt that man has incurred. And it's finished. And he paid our sin debt on the cross. And let's make certain we are all clear about one thing. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid our sin debt. He paid the full amount. He did not just make the down payment and then expect us to keep up the weekly installments. You know, uh, living by the golden rule and keeping the Ten Commandments and, and being a good person. And if, and if we can keep up the installments, we'll be saved. We can keep our salvation. 
Not at all. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the full amount. You know, in ancient times, this word that Jesus spoke from the cross would be heard in the marketplace. If someone went into a marketplace, maybe they wanted to buy, it was a big item, maybe a cow or a goat, and they would hand over the money, and they would get a receipt, a handwritten receipt. Tetelestai. Finished. Transaction complete. Paid in full. It's just like you and I when we go to the store. We walk into, say, a shoe store. We buy our shoes. We hand the clerk our check or our cash or our credit card. And then they give us a receipt. And that receipt says that I've already paid for these shoes. I don't have to pay for them again. In the same way, that is what Jesus did. And you know what our receipt is? To tell us, I finished. That is our receipt. That our debt has been paid in full. It's like that old hymn we love to sing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Dr. Robert Allen Grayor was a well-known heart surgeon at the Cleveland Clinic. In fact, he was considered one of the premier heart surgeons in the country. He took cases other surgeons would not take. One of the patients that he took was a guy by the name of Daniel Evans. <laughs> I forgot it for a second. Daniel Evans. And this, the surgery was a success. Other surgeons said, I'm not touching this. Robert Grayer took the uh, surgery. It was successful. Couple years later, the Cleveland Clinic discovered that Dr. Grayer was embezzling money from the clinic. Research funds. Over a million dollars in research funds. He had embezzled. So the Cleveland Clinic contacted Cuyahoga County, Cuyahoga County um, prosecutor. They arrested him and were going to press charges. Daniel Evans steps up, takes his checkbook, and writes a check for over a million dollars. Oh, by the way, Daniel Evans is heir to the Bob Evans family fortune. Daniel Evans writes a check for over a million dollars and says, I'll pay the debt if you will drop the charges. And they did. That is exactly what happened to us. <laughs> we have been charged with sin. It is a huge debt and a major problem. Jesus steps up and says, I will pay the price. And he paid it in full. Jesus said, it's all on me. It's finished. Paid in full. Mission accomplished. And let me tell you, God expects not one more red cent from any of us. It's finished. It stands finished. It will always be finished. In fact, you know, if God were to expect... If he were expect, expect us to make in, uh, continue to make installments, you know, keeping the golden rule, the Ten Commandments, and living a good... If God expected us to make installments to keep our salvation, he would not be righteous because he's already accepted the payment as, that Jesus made. So it's not a matter of, you know, God did his part and now I'm going to do my part. God did his part, and that's the only part that needs to be done. Christ paid it all. So first of all, it is finished. Satan 
has been disarmed. He's neutralized. God's justice has been satisfied. The debt is paid in full. One more thing. Let's look at our eternity is finalized. When Jesus says it is finished, he's letting us know that our salvation Our way to heaven, our road to heaven has been paved, it's done, it is complete. In fact, the bridge that spans between us and God is now complete. It is the bridge, the cross is that bridge, we'll call it the the bridge of reconciliation. You know, in ancient times, this word would be used in a king's court. Uh, A king would pass on a responsibility or a job to one of the members of his uh, royal court. For example, he might say to one of his uh, members of his court, I want you to be responsible for building a bridge between the palace grounds and the city so the people might have more access. And after a while, that member of the court comes back to the king and he says, finished. To tell us die. The bridge is complete. Nothing else needs to be done. And when Jesus says it is finished, what he is saying is the bridge between man and God is complete. The barrier is gone. I love the way Romans puts this. Romans 5.10 For if while we were sinners, we were reconciled to God by what? The death of his son. That's the key right there. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. He is the one. Christ built the bridge between us and God. And if we are now reconciled, how much more will we be reconciled, uh, be saved by his life? You know, think of it. Oh, by the way, you know, it just dawned on me that when Jesus died on the cross, something miraculous happened in the temple. In the temple, they, there was this uh, holy place and the holy of holies. And there was a curtain dividing it. Man could be on this side, but he couldn't come in here. And when Christ died on the cross, that curtain, remember what happened? It was torn from top to bottom. As a way of saying, man has access to God. Christ has built the bridge. And think of it now, we have access to God. The book of Hebrews says... Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Think of how close we are to the Father. You know, this week, you may find yourself in a situation that's very difficult. Maybe uh, an injustice. It might be a problem financially or with your health. And the only recourse you're going to have is prayer. And the good news is you can approach God's throne with confidence and know that you will receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Or it might be this week you're going to get word that maybe your grandchildren, they need prayer and you will be able to approach the throne of grace, God's throne, with confidence that you'll receive mercy, that you will receive grace to help you in your time of need. Jesus says, it is finished. The bridge is built. It's finished. It stands finished. It will always be finished. Mission is accomplished. Now you say, well, Scott, what if I were to commit a very 
serious sin. Let me tell you something. Jesus died on the cross not just for childish sins. He died for the adult kind of sins that we sometimes commit. He died for the worst of sins. He died for the most serious of sins. And there is no sin that any of us could ever commit that would ever separate us from God and his love. You know, there, there have been times in my ministry where people have come to me quite distraught, wondering, Scott, have I, I've done this? Have I lost my salvation? Can I, can I be saved? Have I done something that has so separated me from God that he would never accept me? I want you to know today that if you're struggling with this, it's not the measure of your sin. It's the greatness of Christ's sacrifice. It's not the measure of our sin. It's the greatness of his sacrifice. So when Jesus says it is finished, it doesn't matter what sin. It's paid in full. The bridge has been built. You know, there's a fellow, I think he passed away just recently. His name was Pierre Burton, Canadian. Had a, a large viewing audience in Canada, television and radio. And he was an outspoken critic of Christianity. One time he had Billy Graham on his program. And he was interviewing Billy Graham. It was rather respectful, but he did throw in a rather quick question. He says, Billy, he says, let me ask you this. You believe, you say that Jesus forgives us all of our sins no matter what it is. Are you telling me then, and it's meant to try to make Christianity look, look bad. He said, are you telling me that if Adolf Hitler in the last hours of his life, if he would have looked up to God and said, I want to confess my sins, I put my trust in Jesus. Are you telling me that God would have forgiven him and he is in heaven right now? And the answer is yes. Because it's not the measure of our sin. It's the greatness of Christ's sacrifice. That's how highly God thinks of what Christ did on the cross. It's the greatness of his sacrifice. It's the greatness of God's grace. The greatness of his forgiveness. You see, here's the thing. God is saying to us, I can forgive a bad sinner who receives Christ, but I cannot forgive a good sinner who rejects Christ. So if you're struggling with assurance, wondering, have I done something? Have I done something that has excluded me or uh, kept me out of God, uh, will keep me out of heaven? I want you to know, listen to what Jesus says. It's finished. It's paid in full. And that covers any and all possible sins. Our salvation is complete. Our destiny is assured because of the greatness of his sacrifice. Think of that. What a savior. He came on a mission, a rescue mission. And here on the cross, the very end of his ministry on earth, he says, mission complete. It is finished. So here's what I want us to take home with us today. Christ finished the work of redemption so that we can rest in our salvation. You can rest in that. Jesus has paid it all. Rest in the work that he has done for you. But if you have yet to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, 
Do that today. Put your trust in Christ. You know, earlier we sang that beautiful hymn. Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. But it's the fourth stanza that grabs us. Lifted up on high was he. It is finished. Or lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Is he your Savior? Is he your Savior? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are, again, um, most humbled by these powerful words that our Lord spoke. Spoke from the cross with such meaning. And Father, if there's someone here today who's struggling with salvation or may have never put their trust in Christ, I pray that today they will grasp that assurance that Jesus truly did pay it all. It's the greatness of his sacrifice that counts. And Father, if there's some here today who've never come to put their trust in Christ, would you open their hearts and may this be the day they look up to you and say, I want to put my trust in Christ. We ask all this in Jesus' name.